Hey there, fellow entrepreneurs. If you're tired of complicated domain management, I've got the solution for you, Hover.com. Hover makes registering and managing domains a breeze. Their clean interface and hassle-free experience will save you time and frustration. No upsells, no hidden fees, just straightforward domain services. Plus, Hover offers top-notch customer support. Make your life easier. Head over to foxcitiesmm.com hover and simplify your jo- domain journey today. You're listening to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem, your bi-weekly dose of true crime history in a small rural community of Wisconsin. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. I'm Eric. I'm Gavin. I'm Gavin, we're back with another episode. Yep. Uh, another new one. Yep. Because the new ones aren't ever going to die. Not for a while, no. So we're, what fine city are we traveling to today? There's a little bit of Oshkosh in here, just a sprinkle, but actually we're mostly going to be on the Menominee uh, Reservation today, uh, which I, I'm kind of I'm kind of pushing, you know, what's Fox City? I mean, that's <laughs> clearly clearly Menominee Reservation's not the Fox Cities. I'm still going to call it Northeast Wisconsin. I think that's fair. Really, what this is is just a selfish plug for Gavin's Menominee Indians book, isn't it? No, it's not. No, it's not. But hopefully, people don't mind because there will be more Menominee stories down the road. So, uh, you know, maybe next time, or maybe maybe in a few months. But there are more. So, I I do think that our goal with this podcast is to keep people in touch with things that happen near them, and I think. The Menominee Indian Reservation is probably a place where nobody else is going to hear this story anywhere else. So I still think, even though it's not the Fox Valley, we're still doing our job. Yeah. Now, (laughs) that being said, um, (laughs) this this story actually is known. I'm going to guess it's going to be new to the majority of the people who listen to this. But if you Google it, like it's out there. Like this is not this is not an original to us. It was a pretty big deal, and you'll you'll see why when okay. we get there. Anything else you, you want to know, or should we just nope. get going? Just jump right into it. Okay, so this is the story of Lizzie Kardish. And uh, Lizzie was born May 30th, 1891, in Wisconsin, probably in Kashina. She was a full-blooded Menominee tribal member. Uh, sometimes the records call her Elizabeth. But uh, I, I'm pretty confident that her actual legal name is Lizzie. Okay. That's what most of the records refer to her as. We're just going to call her Lizzie. <laughs> so, so, so people back then, they didn't shorten their names. They actually took their shortened name to made it longer. <laughs> well, th- the thing about this is you have to understand, in the state of Wisconsin, you weren't required to file any sort of vital records before 1907. Okay. If you're born in 1891, you don't have a birth certificate. Like, okay. It doesn't exist. I don't know what her birth certificate says because she doesn't have one. But on all the records that she filled out for other things, it was always Lizzie. So it's hard to say what somebody's legal name is when they don't have a birth, birth certificate. certificate. So, yeah. you know, whatever. I'm just going to call her Lizzie. Uh, at six years old, she was enrolled at the government's Menominee Indian Training School in Kashina, which is a federal school for teaching the Menominee Indians how to be 
better people and less Indian. Okay, so. so this is similar to the thing we talked about, I think, in a Green Bay story, I think, on this podcast, yeah. where it was, like, basically a deprogramming camp. Yes, yeah, <laughs> we're not going like... to get into that a whole lot, but yes, the same same concept. Mm-hmm. Uh, she had been there for a few years. She enrolled at age six, and then by the time she reached age 13, or sixth grade, on January 15th, 1905, in the middle of the day... She set fire to both the boys' and girls' dormitory of the Indian Training School. The damage was estimated at $50,000, not adjusted for inflation. Yeah, I was just going to say that, which was probably a huge sum of money back then. Yeah. Nobody was injured in the fire, um, but the building was completely destroyed. Her motives for starting the fire were different depending on which version you read. One was... She didn't want to attend school anymore. Another one was that she wanted to be transferred to a different school, but the head of the school wouldn't let her transfer. Slightly different versions, but either way, unhappy with the school (laughs) and burns it down. And you got to think that if you're on... You're willing to burn the school down. She must have been pretty unhappy with that school. Probably pretty unhappy. Yeah. I you mean, know. again, it's just, she's 13 years old at the time. So, you know, not like she's really thinking things through, mm-hmm. but uh, clearly upset. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the crime occurs in January 1905. Um, it doesn't get to trial until 1906. I'm not entirely clear why it took so long. It doesn't seem like she's in jail during this time. So I don't know if it took that long for them to catch her, like figure out who did it, or or what the discrepancy is of why it took a while, but whatever. Um, a year later, it goes to trial. Her defense attorney argues that they should, that they should release her uh, and turn her over to the Menominee tribe for punishment, saying, you know, this is, she shouldn't be subject to American laws. The judge denies this because under the law, reservation and specifically that building over federal property so they're like no 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 <laughs> like what you what you did you didn't destroy indian property you destroyed federal government property and that's not cool you cannot drop this uh the trial finally comes about in the spring of 1906 and uh is held in oshkosh which is kind of unusual because normally federal court is either in milwaukee or green bay but I guess at this time, the judge kind of traveled around a little bit, and mm-hmm. sometimes it was in Oshkosh. So th- this one ended up in Oshkosh. I don't know. The way the newspaper writes about these things is weird. Okay. And, <laughs> and uh, so I'm just going to, this is a quote here. Lizzie Kardish is a comely Indian maid of about 16 years, and in court Tuesday afternoon, she was neatly and becomingly attired in a white gown and waist and wore a pretty dark straw hat trimmed with blue ribbon. In appearance, the girl is remarkably intelligent for one of her race, and her features are quite regular. Second part of that, she looks smart for an Indian. Yeah. Um, but the the majority of this description is like, what a pretty girl she is. <laughs> and this is not unusual. Like, this is how women were often written about in the newspaper. And I'm not even sure if we've entirely fixed this problem today. If it was a teenage boy, they're not going to write a paragraph being like, look at the really nice shirt he's got on today. Like that's not going to happen. I think it's, it's funny that 
that's how sexist they were. They wouldn't have called it sexist, obviously, but we're going to focus on her appearance rather than anything else. You know, and I, I think that's funny that you bring that up, that maybe that's the way it is today, because I, I don't know if you're familiar with who Elizabeth Holmes is. Yeah. She recently went to prison for like 11 years for a business she started and stuff like that. And everything I've ever read about Elizabeth Holmes, you know, they talk they talk about it from a very journalistic standpoint. But every time that they write about Elizabeth Holmes, they have to mention something about the way she looks, about her appearance. Mm-hmm. And I still think that is very much, that's a little over the top. Yeah. Because, I mean, that was the bulk of the content that they that they wrote was just on her appearance. No, but I do think I do think it still comes up. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I don't know how we get that out of. I get it. It's natural that we've built this like not that it's right, but we've built this into like our culture that that women are are judged on their appearance. Again, not that it's right. I would like to think in a court setting <laughs> yeah, the, the, we could remove that. The, at <laughs> some point in time, that should go away, right? Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, like this, this, you are not being here on trial for your appearance. So like this should not factor into this at all. <laughs> so she's tried in federal court. Uh, she's found guilty of arson committed by an Indian on a government reservation and sentenced to life in prison. Uh, so this is the thing. <laughs> the way the law was written is that if an Indian committed arson on a government reservation, it was mandatory life in prison. Really? That, that was the law at the time. And that had recently changed. Nine years earlier, the punishment was mandatory death. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So For any sort... Okay, and you said was a just government property arson? Government property, yeah. Any, wow. Yeah. Like, the judge is like, I don't want to do this, <laughs> but, like, I don't have a choice here. Like, this is, like, how it's written. This is... You're found guilty. I have to do this. So, yeah. Oof. She sent to Leavenworth Prison in Kansas. Eleven women had been sent there before her. Uh, during the current warden's time, there had been three before uh, so he had dealt with three prisoners, and each time they showed up, he sent them away to another prison, a state prison, which technically you shouldn't send them into a state prison if they're supposed to be in federal prison. The warden's like, I don't care. Um, I'm not putting them here in Leavenworth. Um, and even at the state prison, apparently things weren't very good for those women because when they arrived... Like, for the first day or two, they would more or less put them in a cage until proper things could be set up for them. Because there wasn't, like, a standing area that was appropriate for women. So it's like, oh, we've got this cage that we use. We'll put you in here. Give us a day or two, and then we'll get you, like, a cell that not going to be... Where you're not going to get assaulted by the men. (coughs) So, not fantastic. Sounds horrible, actually. Yeah. So Lizzie arrives at Leavenworth, and the warden, who already has this, you know, record of sending the women to the state prison, now he's, like, really concerned. He goes, because in the past, he's like, the women have showed up, and they, I had to get them out of here, because this is Leavenworth. But this time, like, 
I've got a teenage girl. Like <laughs> this is this isn't like some some woman who's like full adult, you know, decided to be a criminal, whatever. This is some kid I've got here. Yeah. And I'm not gonna have her spend life in prison being the only girl or woman <laughs> in Leavenworth prison. Like this is that's worse than just getting life in prison. Like she's gonna I'm trying to be as polite as I can here, but bad things are gonna, gonna happen, happen to her. her. Again, a similar thing happens. Um her mugshot is taken, her fingerprints are taken, um, but she's sent to the state prison as soon as possible, like within a day. And even on the first day, he wouldn't put her in a cell in Leavenworth. He's like, you're going to stay in the captain's quarters. You're going to eat meals here. You're going to do whatever. We're going to treat you like one of us because for people who don't know, um, Leavenworth prison, like part of it is just a regular federal prison, but part of it is like a military base. Right. Like they kind of kept her in the military base part of it. They were like, for, for tonight, we're going to keep you over here. We're not even going to put you into the prison with those people. Mm-hmm. The warden writes to General Cecil Clay, who is with the Department of Justice, and he's like, this is not right. Leavenworth was never designed for women. Like this, it's, that's, They shouldn't even be sent here in the first place. He goes, I've got a little girl here. She's frightened. This is This is not humane at all do you know did they did they just not have like women prisons at this they did not okay they did not he's like he explains what he did you know he's like i i sent her to the state prison he's like i'm not even gonna wait for you to give me approval to do this i'm just doing it Uh, so he sends her sends her over there and he specifically in this letter he asks he says please can the federal government design a place that's appropriate for female prisoners? Because I don't ever want to see another woman sent to my prison again. They take that very seriously, but they don't, they're not quick about it. So this is 1906. Uh, the first female federal prison does not open until 1927. So it, wow. takes, it takes them 20 years to get there, which uh, also makes you wonder, like, do women just not commit crimes? Yeah, I, I mean, until <laughs> <laughs> like we, it's so it's so rare that before the 1920s we just don't have a need to put women anywhere. Yeah, that's crazy. But I mean, they did say right that there was at least 11 people with yeah. this girl that ended up going to Leavenworth or whatever. right. Yeah, so which still is like not a lot. That's not a lot. Yeah, of people. that isn't a lot. But I mean, it is still happening. It, it's it's ab- unbelievable that it took them that long to come up with a solution to this problem. Yeah, the general public was as outraged as the warden was. They're like, "You got a young girl. She's being sent to Leavenworth, which is terrible. She's getting life in prison for a crime, which it's a serious crime, but nobody was even injured. Yeah, like this is what is going on here. Um, so they were like, please." Can we reduce her sentence? To his credit, Judge Quarles, the judge who sentenced her, immediately after the trial, he got on the case. And he was like, I want this commuted. And he's he's like, if I have to personally go to Washington and shake you <laughs> until you sign something, I will do it. 
Because he's like, I sentenced her to life in prison because I had to, required by law. But I don't want to go down as the judge God, you this who thing. condemned this girl to life in prison. So he's he's like immediately like he wants everybody to know that he did it because he was forced. Like he's like, I don't like any of this. That's... President Theodore Roosevelt hears all this. Um, he does commute her sentence in September 1906. So she's been in been in prison a few months. Just for us that are stupid, what does it mean to commute? So it's it's basically reduced. Okay. It's basically reduced. She's not pardoned. She doesn't get to go free, but it's reduced. Um, they're going to drop it down, so she only has to be in prison until she turns 21. Then she can go. And he's going to allow her to be transferred from a federal prison to a state training school for girls which is more appropriate for people like in their teenage years in Illinois. Not in the super hardened criminal prison, not in the federal system, in the nice teenage girl prison in Illinois, which is much closer to home than Kansas. Mm -hmm. When word is received, she's brought from the Kansas State Penitentiary to Leavenworth, then picked up in Leavenworth and brought to Illinois. They refused to pick her up at the state prison. They said, we have to pick her up at Leavenworth because officially we're going to deny that she was ever in the (laughs) The state state prison. prison. (laughs) We all know this now. At the time, they were like, as a federal prisoner, like, we're really, we shouldn't be putting people in the state prison. So they're like, we're just going to say you always had her. (laughs) So the marshal arrives, uh, transfers her over. Following President Roosevelt, the next president is President Taft. He takes an extra step and he says, I'm not even going to wait until she's 21. He's like, I'm going to reduce this, drop it down even more. You're out when you're 19. She goes into prison in 1906. She's out in 1910. Okay. So she ultimately ends up getting, you know, maybe about three and a half years. That that's a that's a little more reasonable. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to kind of, kind of come to the conclusion. You burn a building down. Is that is that that's pretty light, right? Like if I well, went burn down a building today, nobody died. I'd probably get a lot more than that. You'd probably get a lot more than that. But the thing to keep in mind at all times here is when she did it, she's 13. Yeah, she's 13, and and they don't have any sort of system set up for somebody at that age yeah. to be in. So, in a prison or anything like that. Yeah. If she's an adult and she's burning down things, I don't think people would have been quite as passionate about getting her out of there. You can't judge a 13 year old girl the same way you judge a 18 or 19. Yeah. Yeah, Like, or 30. Yeah. You can't. I mean, obviously, and sometimes you do, sometimes you, you weigh people in adult court or whatever it happens. There's a reason that we treat kids different. They're just, they don't have the same comprehension. So you can't blame them and punish them the same. Right. Yeah. So people are, people are aware of this. They're like, yeah, this is a kid. Yeah. This, this is not okay. Once she's released, she signs up to enter Carlisle School in Pennsylvania. This is the school from that previous episode that you were referring to okay. before. Okay. Um, at 19 years old, she signs up for a five-year term. 
Two witnesses beyond family were required to get her in. Uh, her papers were signed by one signature that I, I couldn't read. Uh, the other signature was signed by uh, Reginald Oshkosh, the grandson of Chief Oshkosh. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> Little flashback to episode like two, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> There's another Oshkosh story coming up on this podcast too. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna start making some connections here. Uh, she passed physical exam, and uh, I don't know what it takes to get a physical exam to get into the school. The school paperwork is like available online. You can look at this, and like one of the things is she to get in, she had to have normal menstruation, <laughs> and. Uh, I don't know if they just take her word for that. <laughs> or I they, don't know. Or they're like watching it or yeah, what? I don't know, but a very weirdly specific thing that the doctor had to take note of. She enters the school uh, in September 1910. A couple of months later in December, she left the school at her mother's request. And then she was supposed to come back, but she never did. So she didn't serve for five years in the school there. She served maybe three and a half. (laughs) (laughs) So very brief time in Carlisle. As soon as she gets out of there, uh, she ends up getting married. She has a son. Uh, She works part-time as a maid, which I'm not exactly sure what that means, but probably just helping tidy up other people's houses or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, Her first husband uh, dies. She gets married a second time to... John Fox, who makes wagons. He's a wagon maker. And then, 1926, Lizzie dies at age only 34. Oh. Yeah. I don't know of what. Didn't make it very long. And this is, unfortunately, all too common in the Menominee, or even really many of the tribes, is just short lifespans are not rare. For various reasons, even among her own family, she had several brothers and sisters, but by the time that she was like a teenager, half of them had died, um, some of them from tuberculosis and whatever else. And I, I don't know specifically why this is, like if the medical treatment is not as good on the reservation or what, uh, definitely the life expectancy is significantly lower on the reservation. It's improved. But unfortunately, even today, it's it's, it's, it's not still... fantastic. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Native, native health is not great. That's weird. Yeah. And I wonder, it could just be as simple as something weird about their genetics, too, I would yeah, think. Yeah, I, you know? I, I think that's part of it. I mean, there's certainly other things that play into it. Like, And I, and I hate to say this because this is like, it's mean. There's definitely like rampant alcoholism. On, right on the reservation and that doesn't help yeah that definitely doesn't help <laughs> yeah there's any number of reasons this yeah is... it's 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 you'll see this if you if you like check it out like a lot of people end up getting married three times and it's not because of divorce it's because they just keep losing, losing their, their spouse house. really yeah it's really common wow that is strange this one, the big grabber for me is all is still always those those can or those schools, man. Yeah, I mean, when you first when when we did that first episode, I was like, I cannot believe this existed, and it just it just blows my mind. Yeah, and I don't know how bad the one in Kashina was. It doesn't have the bad reputation that the one in Pennsylvania had. 
But I have to assume that, you know, it's a similar thing. It, it, it would be better in some respects because at least, you know, you're on the reservation. You're with all your own tribal members. It's, I mean, it'd be specifically a Menominee school. But it's still run by the federal government, and the point is still right to kind of get the Indian out of you. Yeah, and and that's that's the thing is is that, I mean, anytime you build something that that is taking in a group of students and trying to undo something that's part of their en- identity, yeah, that's never going to turn out well. You know that like that's just a terrible idea. Right. You ha- you just can't you can't do that. Yeah, I would encourage people. I can't I can't show them because the podcast does not have a visual element to it, but I would encourage them to Google uh, Lizzie Kardish because like there's the photo of her, her mugshot from Leavenworth is easily found online Mm -hmm. and there's nothing native about her. You can tell that already as a kid, like they're making her not native. native. She's got the fanciest dress, a giant hat, very elaborate hat on. Like, she's dressed like she's going to go to a ball. So so... you wouldn't look at her and say, oh, yeah, that's a native girl. No. Even though she's a full-blooded Menominee, you cannot tell from the photo. Yeah, and that's just so tragic that they did that and still do that to an extent, I'm sure. Not not necessarily for Native Americans, but for other yeah and stuff like that yeah i don't know whatever so (laughs) all right i i don't know that i really have very many questions for this one um no i mean i don't know that there are a lot of questions and she never really did like even in carlisle she you don't have anything that says she did anything while she was at carlisle no the the records that remain are very scant they're like Here's the records of her trying to get in take up more pages than the records while she's there. Like it, it's very uneventful. So is that just because the records are unavailable? Like are they hiding these records because they don't want to see? They don't want to show what no, people I don't, did, did I doing. Don't, or? I don't think they're hidden because the records all got turned over to. It's either the National Archives or the Library of Congress, but I think it's National Archives. Okay, so this. So so if you go online nationalarchive.gov or whatever it is that's that's how i see them they're publicly available so there's nothing censored about any of it um, unless they were you know destroyed at the time like anything that exists is out there and it's interesting because the fact that she goes to carlisle then in really isn't a problem mm-hmm. when you initially told the story i just assumed she had a real problem with this whole debroke programming thing of her. Right. You know, and that's why she did this fire. But maybe maybe that wasn't the case because if she went to Carlisle and yeah. went through school just without any well, at least for the three and a half years she was there. But then again, in, maybe in, she just in Carlisle? Went, yeah. Three and a half months. Three and a half months, I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, originally when she does the the fire There's discrepancies, and I think this would be cleared up if we saw the original court records. I've not seen the court record. That would probably clarify. The newspapers, like I said, some versions in the newspapers say she just hated the school. Mm -hmm. And some versions said that she wanted to be transferred to Carlisle because one of her friends got transferred there, and she was mad because the principal said no 
I'm not going to transfer you. It could go either way. It could be she hates the school or it could be that she's okay with the school. She just didn't want to be there. Could be that this school was just horrible. Yeah. You know, you don't know. Like, I know surprisingly little about the Menominee School. Yeah. Like, it's... I don't know that there's a great resource out there about it. I'm sure somewhere, you know, these records exist. It's not well publicized. Like, the Carlisle School is famous. But the individual ones that the different tribes had, I don't think people really know about them. Because that information is not super easy to find. And it was probably just because they were all so small. They were also yeah. small schools that, that I mean, what paper trail would be left? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm in. Yeah, I'm not gonna like get on a on a tangent here. So 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 this is not gonna happen. But just in general, like I, the more I learn about tribal histories, whether it's Menominee or the Oneida or whoever Stockbridge, whoever, I am constantly surprised how very little of it we know. Yeah. You know, like you really got to dig to find it. Yeah. Because it's just, it's just kind of one of those things. Well, and don't you think that because in a way that whole thing is kind of a, it's kind of a dark spot in our history Mm -hmm. and we just kind of want to like, oh no, you don't need to know about any of that stuff because you know. Well, yeah, no, that, I mean, that's totally true. Yeah. It's just weird though. It's, it's weird that like for a very long time, apparently we were just like, oh yeah, that's, that's. The Indians, like, that's what happens. And 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 so we, the white people, are like, eh, we're not, we're not going to think about that. You know, like, that's not. And, and it's so weird because it's not like, it's not like we're here in Wisconsin and they're like out in Oklahoma. They're in <laughs> Green Bay. They're Living in right Shano. Among us, yeah. They're like, they're. They're they're part of the community. They're like within like a half hour away from your house at any time. Like so, it's not this foreign thing that's happening. <laughs> it just didn't get the attention, and it still I don't think has gotten the attention. Well, I'm just really really glad that she didn't end up spending life in prison for that. No, because... it turns it turns out that apparently nothing bad happened to her in prison, or at least nothing and... super bad. I mean, I don't know that. Being in prison is all that fun at at all, but um. but I mean at least at least she got out and well had a short life, but yeah. at least she got to live a yeah. life. And I give that warden a lot of credit because it sounds like you know I did a little little bit of looking into him, and apparently like this is this is how he was. He was the kind of warden who wasn't like I I run a prison and. I'm going to be strict. I'm going to just beat the heck out of everybody. He wasn't that kind of warden. He was like actually concerned about the well-being and the rehabilitation of his prisoners. He was genuinely concerned about people going to prison to improve themselves instead of just... And on the flip side of that, too, the judge as well. The judge because, as well. Because the judge immediately went out and was like, this yeah. is not right. We need to change this. So... Yeah. Which, which that judge could have just said, well, that was the line, and I'm going to go home and right. smoke by stogie or whatever yeah. and forget about it. So, yeah. so I, Good I, job. I, I, give, I give them credit. I mean, it's it's an extreme case because it's a teen girl. But, right. But even so, I'm glad that they were 
aware of like this not being good and we're so vocal about, about it. it. Exactly. Yeah. Because it could have it if they hadn't probably been that vocal, it probably just would have gotten brushed under the rug and she would have spent the rest of her life in jail having God only knows what happened. Oh yeah. Happen to her. Yeah. Like if her. they would have stayed quiet, give it a few months, people would forget and she'd just be gone. She'd yep. be in the prison prison system and uh, god i can't even imagine a 13 year old girl running around a prison yeah, <laughs> I, I can see a lot of yeah. bad things happening yeah yeah so. not not great but you, you never know yeah you know you can't really predict anything so yeah who knows yeah maybe maybe it'd be a fun time yeah <laughs> i i mean maybe uh, maybe, maybe everybody... all the prisoners would like band together and defend her maybe. you know against the the because there's only going to be a couple creepy guys that are going to be doing stuff Maybe, I don't know. You know, maybe the rest of the prisoners would be like, nah, you know, kind of like, kind of like how you hear when rapists go to prison. Yeah. It's really hard on them because the other prisoners just have no respect for them. That's true. You so, do hear that. Yeah. Anyways, we're going off on a rabbit hole here. So yeah, too bad gonna... we don't have Jason here to talk <laughs> about what happens in the prison system. <laughs> With that, we'll wrap this episode up and we'll be back in two weeks with another episode. We thank everybody for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in to Fox City's Murder and Mayhem. Join us in two weeks for another exciting episode of Murder and Mayhem.